All right, y'all ready to pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for going before us. Thank you for freeing us, giving us life, giving us hope. God, thank you for teaching us, training us to reign in this life, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to see Jesus, to behold Jesus in all his beauty, all his glory, all his finished work. God, thank you for changing lives here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Training for reigning. Y'all ready? Buckle up. Buckle up. Don't buckle up. Don't buckle up because the Holy Spirit might get a hold of you. Amen? You don't want to be buckled. We're going to go right into Genesis. You guys know Jacob had how many sons? Anybody know how many sons he had? Twelve, twelve or a dozen. Twelve sons. Twelve sons. And right here, Jacob is about to go bye-bye, and he's going to bless his twelve sons, okay? And there's some deep meaning here. You guys know that the whole Bible is about Jesus. All about Jesus. And you're going to see some really cool things here. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, Genesis 49. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. The last days. Okay. This is a, this is a message for us. The last days. Are you with me? He says the last days. He doesn't say my last days. The last days. Every one of these guys has a name and every one of those names has a meaning. And this, is, this says something about what Jesus would do in the future because everything is about Jesus. Okay? Uh, Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father, Reuben. Say Reuben. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power unstable as water (laughs) you shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed then you defiled it when uh he went up to my couch so (laughs) doesn't sound like a blessing when someone says you shall not excel right if your dad tells you hey man you're not going to excel you're like thanks pops that's great right? Doesn't sound like a blessing. But man, when you start to think in terms of this is a picture of Jesus, Jesus was the firstborn. This is a picture of Jesus, the firstborn, um, being cursed. Who was Jesus cursed for? For us, right? But he's the firstborn. So this is a picture of him not being accepted because he was not accepted because of us. He was taking our place. So if you look at the word here um, for Reuben, it says to behold a son, to look at a son. Literally what it means, to see the son. That's what the name Reuben means. He's the firstborn. Behold the son. Are you with me? So you go back to what happened to Reuben. This is in Genesis 35, just a couple of chapters before that. Uh, this is, this is, uh, talking about when Rachel passed away. All right. So stay with me. And so it was as her soul was departing for she died that, that she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Okay. Ben-Oni, uh, means, uh, son of my sorrows, son of my sorrows. But back then the women did give the name to the child, but the dad here, he turned it around after she passed away and he called, uh, his, his father called him Benjamin. Benjamin, uh, well, you'll see son of my sorrow here, but Benjamin means son at my right hand. Okay, why is that important? Because before, on the cross, Jesus became 
the son of the sorrows. Whose sorrow was he taking? Ours, right? Our sorrows were put on Jesus. After the cross, he became the son of the right hand. Are you with me? You got to know there's meaning in the, these names. You got, you got to know that. You got to see that, there's, that God has a specific purpose for every word in Scripture, and it all points to Jesus. Amen? The Bible will open up to you when you see that. All right, so we keep going. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is a pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. You can Google Rachel's tomb and you'll see a, a picture of There's plenty of pictures on it on the internet of that. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the Tower of Adair. Do you guys remember what that is? That Christmas message, Tower of Adair is where they kept the sacrificial uh, lambs. And that is actually in Bethlehem. That is, uh, many scholars believe that's where Jesus actually was born. In the Tower of Adair, in their, in their um, manger, or in their, where they kept the sacrificial sheep to be slaughtered. Okay? You with me? We, we'll hit that in Christmas. Come back in Christmas. <laughs> you can come next Sunday too. <laughs> and it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben, Reuben went and laid with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12, and it goes on to tell you. Now, the reason why Reuben, the firstborn, got that blessing that he would not excel, he was unstable as water. Why? Because he, he, he went to bed with his dad's concubine. Say, ooh. <laughs> It's real life. It's Bible stuff, right? I'm, I'm thankful that God doesn't keep that stuff out, that we can see it. And there's a, there's a meaning behind it because what, do you, what did Reuben mean? To behold a son, to see the son. He went to bed with who? Bilhah. What does Bilhah mean? It means trouble. Fear is another word for it. Uh, to, be, to be terrified is another word. That her name means in scripture. You can see those words. Now that's interesting that to behold a son, to see the son. He was the firstborn. How many of you guys know that God blessed the firstborn with a double portion? But he gave up that double portion and he went to bed with fear. And when he went to bed with fear and he took his, he stopped becoming, uh, beholding the son. He went to bed with fear and guess what happened? He lost out. He didn't excel. Which reminds you of another story. Who else took their eyes off Jesus and began to sink? Peter. So look at Matthew 14. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. By himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. The wind was contrary. Do you guys ever feel like something's contrary to you? Do you feel like stuff's not going your way sometimes? Like bad reports, uh, sicknesses, finances, whatever it is that's contrary to you, I'm about to show you that Jesus is going to walk on that. Because the very thing they were afraid of, Jesus was walking on it. Amen? So it doesn't matter what we're going through, you got to know that Christ is on top of it. And he'll never leave you. He was on a mountain praying, and he saw them. And he went to them. And he didn't wait four days to go to them. He went to them. He's always there for you. 
In fact, he's walking on the very thing that you are afraid of right now. Do you believe that? Yes. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the water. Isn't that beautiful? Went to them. He went to them, walking on the water. Fourth watch is the darkest part of the night, by the way. They have four watches in the night. This is the darkest one. Okay, this is, uh, this is, what is Three to six, yes. Three to six. Yeah. Thank you. James is on it, boy. This is, this is his game right here, boy. All right, so how did he come? He was walking on the sea. Uh, oh, wait, wait, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Bilhah. They were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And that's because them brothers were watching too many Netflix movies on the boat. <laughs> that's what happens, man. You watch Netflix movies, that ghosts everywhere, man. You're like, I don't even like that stuff, man. Bella wants to go to Halloween Horror Nights. I'm like, you go, I'll be waiting outside. I don't like when people jump scare me like that, man. Because I cuss and... Don't y'all, when somebody scares you, don't you go, ooh, dad, dad gum it. <laughs> and then it gives you like bad habits, right? You go to the refrigerator in the middle of the night and you open that door. But you're always afraid that when you shut it, there's going to be just some clown standing there. <laughs> so, so I've learned to shut the door and go like this. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> it's not true. I know the Lord is my protector. It does cross my mind. <laughs> uh, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It is I. It is I. He said, it's, it's me. We got to know that he is the great I am. Whatever it is you need, he's got it. That's why he says, don't be afraid. I'm here. Don't be afraid. I'm here, right? Uh, and Peter answered, because who else would answer? Peter answered, answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He was walking on the water because he was looking at Jesus. He was Reuben, Jesus. He beheld the sun. But the moment, look at this. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. He took his eyes off Reuben, he beheld the sun, and he went to bed with fear. And when he went to bed with fear, he began to sink. And then he cried out, Lord, help me. And the Lord was always there. The Lord was helping him. Amen? It's crazy. Um... But he's no different than we are. He's no different than we are. We can say, Peter, you're an idiot. But man, how many times do we take our eyes off the sun? We stop beholding him. We start, we start looking at our problems. We magnify our problems greater than we magnify our Savior. I mean, Peter was walking on water. It doesn't matter if the wind was there. What if there was no wind? He was still walking on water. That would be a miracle. But he started to rationalize it. How can I be walking on water in this storm? He should have said, hey, whether there's a storm or not, how in that am I walking on water? 
Because he's a fisherman, you know he is taught like that, right? We're just keeping it real. <laughs> Not all fishermen are like that. But they all lie. <laughs> it was this big. So, uh, he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. That's good news, church. That even when we take our eyes off of him, we look at our problems, we sink. He doesn't leave us, does he? He doesn't leave us. He came. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Don't doubt. Don't, it doesn't matter if the storm is there or if it's not there. Keep your eyes on him. Behold the sun. Look to Jesus. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now that's amazing because this is what I wanted. Jesus could have stopped the wind because it ceased when he got in the boat. But we are being trained to rain. He needed to know you failed this one. But the next time you got to know, keep your eyes on me. He didn't punish Peter and give him leprosy for failing. Did he? No, he loved him. He loved him right where he was. And he said, you, why did you doubt? Let this be a lesson. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Keep your eyes on me. Don't go to bed with fear. Don't, don't, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. A spirit, a spirit we could say of Bilhah. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Power. Power, love, and sound mind. You can't make good decisions when your mind is not sound. Why is your mind not sound? Because you've given it over to fear. Fear of what about tomorrow? What's going to happen? God said, don't do that. I didn't give you that spirit of fear. But sound mind. You make better decisions when you're sound mind. But when fear gets in there, you can't. No one can. You make rash decisions, don't you? Yeah, I do too. All right, go back to this one. So we saw the, first, the blessing of the firstborn. But look at the blessing of Joseph. Joseph is a beautiful picture of Jesus. If you go back and read his story, beautiful picture of Jesus. Uh, so Joseph, it says, this is his blessing. He is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a, by a well. His branches run over the wall. He's a fruitful bough by the well. Now, bough means son. He's a fruitful son by the well. Joseph is a picture of Jesus. Okay. So let's go to John 4. This, this, is, uh, this is the Jesus at the well. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. I love that because he didn't have to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Why would Jesus need to go to Samaria? Because there's a woman there who is a sinner that he loves, and he's no respecter of persons. But there's a He's got a specific plan for this lady, okay? So he goes uh, to Samaria. He needed to go. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called uh, Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son. Near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. We just read that, didn't we? Right? Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That is 12 o'clock noontime, Okay? noontime Jesus went or yeah, jo Jesus went to this well but it was called Joseph's well do you remember the blessing of jo Joseph is a fruitful son 
A fruitful son by a well. His branches run over the wall. Let me tell you something. The wall was there in Jerusalem because the blessings, God blessed the Jewish people, not the outside. But how many of you guys know today, Jesus' blessings run over that wall. They reach all of us. Amen? So he's a fruitful, he's a fruitful son by the well. So you go back to this story and you start to see it play out. Because it's all about Jesus. Those blessings in, in, in Genesis 49 are all about Jesus. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. She came at what time in the day, church? Noon. The hottest part of the day. Even Jesus was weary. But why was she coming in the hottest part of the day? And histor historical uh, texts tell us that women went early in the morning when it was cool. She didn't go early in the morning with the other women. Why do you think that is? Because they were going to talk about her. Why? Because she's been married five times. She's living with one that's not her husband. That's why she came in the daytime. But Jesus knew that too, didn't he? He knew that. He knew he was going to go to her right where all her condemnation was, right where all her guilt and her shame was. Jesus was meeting her there at the well. You don't forget, he needed to go. This is a true love story of how Jesus loves the church, loves people, all right? Uh, he said, Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. This is that his, his blessings going over the wall, Amen going over the wall it's beautiful man and jesus answered said to her if you knew if you knew the gift of god now i tried that on kelly when i met her i said if you knew the gift of god feel free to use that fellas <laughs> it's not mine originally <laughs> If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. I tried that too. <laughs> you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He said, if you would knew who I was, you would have asked me instead of me asking you. You would ask me. And I would, how many of you know we can't give God anything? We, we cannot. We, there's nothing we have to offer to God. But if we knew who he was, we would ask him, and he would give us living water. Not just water, living water. I love that, man. And, and the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? <laughs> Are you greater than our father Jacob? Samaritans believed they were better than the Jews. They believed they were the chosen people. They even taught their, their, their people the, the Torah, right? That's how she knew about uh, Jacob, and that's how she knew about the Messiah coming. But the, the real Jewish people didn't want anything to do with them, right? All right. Uh, Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst.
But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now in the Bible, water can speak to sexual sins. Jesus was graciously letting her know. In the book of Proverbs, it talks about you drink from your own cistern. Meaning, don't step out of your marriage. The water doesn't taste better. Why, why did you laugh? <laughs> Out loud, like that. <laughs> so, a lot of times we think that this is talking about spiritual stuff. Jesus knew what she was up to, amen? And he knew what she was going through. He knew what she was going through. And she's saying, hey... You keep coming to this well at 12 o'clock every day because you got game, you got you got shame, you got guilt, you're condemning yourself, and you keep doing it every day at the same time you're coming to this well. Well, I got something to tell you. If you come to this well, you'll never go to that well again. So whatever you're struggling with, church, I'm just here to tell you, it feels like a rat wheel, and you're on it and you're on it and you're on it over and over again. You're like nothing's changing. It's because you're going to the wrong well. And that same well is going to produce the same fruit. But if you go to the fruitful sun at the well, you'll have everlasting water. Because she had five husbands. One she's living with now is not her husband. That's six. She came to the perfect man at that well, number seven. And she became an evangelist. Isn't that beautiful? But whoever drinks, we did that. I love that. All right, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Uh, Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. Now, I want you to see something here. Je How does Jesus handle sinners? How does he handle sinners? And how does the church handle sinners? That's a good question. Because the church will say, you, you have five husbands and you're living in sin? Bye. Right? Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> that was my sync. You know I had to throw that sync in there, boy. <laughs> Bob, you know sync. <laughs> you shot me last week. I was just saying if you knew this one. The, the, the church would say bye. Bye, bye, bye. Right? But Jesus, what does he say? Jesus praises her. He praises her in the beginning. He says, you have well said. You, you're right. You're not lying. You're right. And then he brings the hammer. You had five husbands. And the one you're living with is not your husband. But then he comes back with, in that you spoke truly. He praised her. Held her accountable and then praised her. It's a praise sandwich. It's a grace sandwich. The church today doesn't handle it like that. They say, hey, you got to get right before you can get blessed. If that's the case, no one is blessed. Because yet while we were still sinning, not being right, Christ came. The greatest blessing you will ever receive came while you were not being right. Amen? So the church handles it different, but I love the way Jesus said this to her. He, he made her feel, look, I know, but I also want you to know that I'm going to praise you for being honest. It's beautiful. All right, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Yeah. She was probably like, 
Who you been talking to? Who you been talking to? Josephina? Let me tell you, Josephina's up. Isn't that how women would handle it? <laughs> I mean, some women would handle it. Don't send an email. It was a joke. All right. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say, you Jews, I love that, say that in Jerusalem, uh, in the place where you ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship uh, the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is for the Jews. They know that they're worshiping the Messiah because it's for salvation. These guys worship God to be blessed. Old covenant, okay? Um, but the hour is coming and now is, now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he there's only two people in bible that he said with his own mouth who he was i am the messiah he told this woman who had five husbands and was living in sin have you guys heard living in sin before they're living in sin okay what should you say back to somebody that says that <laughs> is there someone who's not living in sin Please tell me. You, pastor? It's just crazy how religion makes you think. It's crazy. We all live in sin. But Christ loves sinners. If someone's living in sin, that's a great opportunity to say, hey, Christ loves you. He loves sinners. Amen? If you're not living in sin, Jesus is not going to come to your house. There's nothing for him to do. Amen? <laughs> Uh, I love that. I know. At this point, uh, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot. Who needs a water pot when you've just been given living water? She left it. Left it there. Um, and went her way into the city and said to the men, said to the men of that city, some of those men are her ex-husbands. Can you imagine the testimony? There's people in this church that I didn't know real well a long time ago, but I've heard people say, man, the change in that person is unbelievable. Have you seen somebody change like that before? Like in your own, if you knew me, you'd be like, yeah, you. <laughs> right? It's, uh, it's unbelievable. But she went back to those men. Where's her guilt and her shame now? Where is it? She left that water pot. She beheld the sun. She's not fearful anymore. Isn't that beautiful? She is not fearful anymore. How? What's her secret? She beheld the sun. She beheld Jesus. That's what she was doing at that well. Instead of going to bed with fear and showing up at 12 every day, she beheld, she rubened Jesus, the sun, the perfect sun, the, the fruitful sun. At the well. And she said, come see a man who told me things that I, that I ever did. He knew it. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out 
of the city and came to him. I think we're going to drop down to verse 39, right? And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman. That woman who was shameful and guilty because of all her past. She told them about Jesus. Do you think she told them the bad stuff? Like he knew you got to come see him. He knew I was bad. Would that draw you? Would you go to somebody who knew your bad stuff? No, no, but many of them went. Why? Because even though they knew the bad stuff about her, he told her the good stuff. He told her he loved her. I am the Messiah, the Christ, who's going to give his life for you. Now that would make somebody come. But if you were going to hear bad stuff, would you go? No, we'd go the other way, right? So, so, uh, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there how many days? Two days. And many more believed because of his own, because of his own word. Now, how many, how many days is, how many years is a day to God? A thousand years is like a day to God. Two days he stayed. He was in Galilee with the Jewish people, but for 2,000 years he stayed with the Gentiles and then he goes back. What does that remind you of? That's the rapture. Amen? And why would it say two days? Everything has an importance in Scripture. Amen? You can say, Troy, that's, that's too, whatever. I'm just telling you what I believe. You can go and look it up yourself. Amen? All right. Um... We did that. We did that. Okay. Uh, verse 42. We're almost done. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, meaning not only because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Listen, don't believe in Jesus because of something somebody else said. Believe it because you've had a personal encounter with Jesus. It's one thing for somebody's testimony to bring you to that point. It's a whole nother ballgame when it's your relationship with Jesus. You can't get saved on my relationship with Jesus. I can't get saved on, based on your relationship with Jesus. I can see the light in you and then want my own relationship with Jesus. Amen? Beautiful. Uh, now, after the two days, he departed from there and went back to Galilee. Now, I want to take you back to this blessing. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well, we just read that story, right? That blessing actually came true, right? His branches run over the wall. A fruitful, we know what fruitful is. He's very fruitful, okay? Bow means son, ben. That's the, the Hebrew word, ben. Ben, son, okay? A fruitful son by a well. Now, when you think well, what do you think of? The, the water thing, right? So let me show you what the word well means here in Hebrew. Okay, y'all ready? All right. 10 o'clock next Sunday. I'm going to reveal it. Y'all want to be blessed? Okay. The word will, well, is the word ayin, which means I behold a son. Behold a fruitful son that's what that woman did at the well she beheld a fruitful son and what happened to her she left her water pot 
She left the things she struggled with, her guilt and her shame, represented by going at noon every day. She left that. She tasted the living water. She beheld the sun. She didn't go to bed with fear anymore. She beheld a son. And when she beheld her son, she became an evangelist to tell other people. She was blessed by even people that knew her past. They believed because of her. That's why testimonies are so important. If you have a testimony that you can share and people know a little something about that, man, it connects with people. People need to hear your story. And then once they, they, they come to Jesus because they, they saw your story, they heard your story, man, then they can have their own story. And it's always good. If we beheld Jesus and, and, and not fear, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself, the Bible says. Self, I just went country on you. Amen. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Today's got its own issues. Can somebody say amen? But even that, God says, my grace is sufficient for you every single morning when you wake up. In other words, it's sufficient. His grace will get you through the day. It's faith. Behold the sun. Instead of beholding your problems like Peter did, behold the sun. You know, you know what John said in, 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 uh, in, in John chapter 1? He, he looked and he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's like, like, behold, like, look, there he is. So you know what that tells me? It's one thing to behold Jesus, but the thing you have to do first and the thing you have to understand in order to move along and keep beholding Jesus is you got to understand that first thing. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. And when you believe that your sin is gone and that you've been completely forgiven, now we can get trained to reign. Now we can see now we can start to walk by faith. And man, we, we, be, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son. Amen? Yet you, you look in a mirror and you're transformed by seeing Jesus, the Bible says. We are transformed into the same image by beholding you, him. When you look in the mirror, you need to see Jesus as you. And then you walk away by faith. You're like, thank you, Jesus. As he is, so am I right here on this earth. Guys, I don't know what you're struggling with. You, just, if you're struggling with guilt and shame, if you're struggling uh, uh, with your past and you can't get over it, let me just tell you something. Stop going to that well. Come to the living well. Come to Jesus. And you can leave that guilt and shame right there. Right here at the altar. This is a beautiful spot of that, of that well. This is where you can leave your water pot. And I don't mean like take the handle back with you so you can get another water pot. I mean leave the whole thing right here. Leave the whole thing right here. Your water pot. Because you don't need it anymore. You have a water, a well of water, living water in you. You don't need to bring extra. Everything you need is in you. And his name is Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. You don't need to carry extra stuff. Everything you have is on you. In you. And it's because he loves you. You can't do anything to earn that kind of love. That kind of favor. Except say thank you. Amen. Are y'all ready to keep being trained to reign? I just love that man. Trained to reign. Let me tell you something. I, I, I would like for all you guys to stand up for me. Just stand up and we're going to... Uh, 
We're going to give you an opportunity now to, uh, if you don't know who Jesus is, I'm going to say a prayer. And all you got to do is repeat after me. Listen, the Bible doesn't say you have to speak it out loud. It doesn't say speak it out loud. Okay? It just says confess Jesus. Confess Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. It does not say you need to confess your sins. Because if you're confessing Jesus, then you already know you're a sinner. Because you need him. You confess your Savior, not your sin. Amen? Pastor Dwayne's down here. Uh, if, 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 this is, uh, if this is something that you feel led to do, I'm going to have the church, if you just bow your head with me, just close your eyes, and just be in prayer for those who may be uh, making this, uh, this life-altering decision. And when I say alter, I mean it'll be the best decision you've ever made in your life. Listen, my life ain't perfect, but even in them unperfect times, I know that I am loved beyond a shadow of doubt. I know that the Lord loves me when I'm, when I'm good, and he also loves me when I'm not good. My, his love for me doesn't change like my, my walk does. I don't get more love from God the more I obey him. I get all the love I have and will ever need from the Lord simply by confessing Jesus. And that's for all of us in here. So I'm going to say a short prayer. And then I'm going to ask that if, if you are one of those that have received Jesus in that prayer, that you just come down and, and speak with Pastor Dwayne down here. Especially before you leave, you can just come on down here and, uh, and let him give you short counsel. It's nothing that's going to take forever. It, it, God made it simple and religion jacked it up. But let me pray a blessing over you guys. And as you guys d- make this decision... Please find your way down here to Pastor Dwayne and, and just let him pray. He's going to pray a prayer of celebration over you as a new creation. There's something amazing about saying this sinner's prayer is what they call it. Something amazing that you actually become a new creation in Christ. That your cells completely change. That you become a new creation in Christ. It's an amazing thing. So will you guys pray with me? And Father, we just thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for uh, leaving your, your word behind where we can behold Jesus in all his glory. That, that we can bring our water pot to him. That we can leave it here. And we can walk away with hope, a great hope. A hope that we have never had before. A confident expectation of good coming our way. Because of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we can push fear aside. We can push guilt and shame aside. And we can simply behold the Son, the Lamb of God, who takes away my sin. Takes it away. Doesn't cover it up. He took it away. And now I can be called righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am free. I'm forgiven completely. I am restored. I am made whole. I am made new. I am a new creation. Thank you for your great blessing on the people you have here today. This morning, Father, they came in here maybe longing for hope, but they will walk out of here having been shown hope. 
the gospel presented to them that Jesus Christ is their hope. That they can have a confident expectation of good coming their way because Christ is their hope. Thank you for what you're going to do here in these next moments, Father. I thank you for this church family that will pray with us. We're not praying to be saved again. We're praying for those who have not yet prayed. So church, if you'll repeat after me as I pray, just keep your heads bowed. And if you do not know Jesus, this is the prayer that you pray. You can repeat it out loud if you want to. You can repeat it under your breath. Jesus hears it all. But as a church family, we'll just say it out loud to make people feel more comfortable. And I hope that you know that you're coming to him based on love, not out of duty. Don't come to Jesus and say this because you feel guilt. I hope that now, in fact, I know by, that by now in Jesus' name, you know there is no guilt and shame for you. The church just repeat after me. Thank you, Father, for your son Jesus, his finished work. I confess Jesus with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. He is seated at your right hand. And as he is, so am I. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him the praise and the honor. Listen, we want to... We, we uh, Pastor Dwayne and I have spoke with some men of the church that we've gotten together and we're going to start presenting an opportunity at the end of every service. Uh, it's one thing for us to, to, to say, um, you know, find one of us, but we want to give people an opportunity now. Uh, everybody's on the same page. Going forward, we will have an altar call uh, at the end and it may change up the way it looks, but uh, the Lord is in control. Amen. We're going to be walking by faith and uh, I want you to know that if you made that decision and, and you haven't made that decision before and today was the first time, would you mind just raising your hand for me if that was you making it for the first time? Good. So I can tell Pastor Dwayne that he doesn't have to stay down here for the rest of the, the service, that he can actually go home and see his family and pray over his wife for everything she said yesterday. <laughs> But at this time, just be, be in prayer for our church as we, as we follow the Spirit leading. You see Pastor Dwayne did that today. I thought that was beautiful. Thank you so much for following the, the, uh, the Spirit this morning like you did. It was exactly what we needed. And that's what happens when you follow the Spirit. Amen? So we'll continue to do that. Uh, we're going to follow the Spirit in closing out our services. But I'm going to ask Pastor Dwayne to pray a blessing over you. As we move, I'm going to go ahead and make my way to the back. Amen. Let's pray, church. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to come into this place today to receive your word. God, we thank you for the ministry that took place in this place today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that all that you've done to, to heal our, our hearts and to heal our lives, Lord, to heal our past, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your word that came forth, Lord, that did not fall on hard hearts and 
deaf ears, but God filled on hearts and, and ears that were ready to receive. And so, Father, I thank you for equipping us and giving us the opportunity to hear for your, your word. Your, your, our faith grows because we hear your word, Father. So we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to hear. We thank you, Father, for equipping us with your word so that we can continue to move forward and grow personally, but also to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace of God that is sufficient for each and every one of our lives, God. And so we thank you, Lord, for the good news. We thank you, Father, for sending us out into this world, Father, to preach that good news, to share that good news with those that we come in contact with. We ask God for the divine appointments, Father, that only you could give. We ask God that you just continue to order our steps, Father. And I just speak life and health and healing over each and every person in this place, every household represented, Father. We thank you, Father, for saving us, for healing us, for redeeming us, Father, and for making us free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are dismissed. <laughs>